Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Six and Out podcast. It's Craig here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are here to continue the rundown to the World Cup, which is ever fastly approaching. Um, we have Arnie back with us today. Arnie, it's great to have you with us again. Uh, we missed you. How have you been? I've uh, missed you guys as well. Um, I've been traveling a little bit, a uh, bit of Melbourne, currently in Darwin. It's hot. I don't know what the climate's like because it keeps changing for me. But yeah, look, it's lovely to be back. Um, World Cup is uh, beckoning and um, yeah, I'll be heading to a few games later. Awesome. Um, awesome. One with Brett as well. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, great to be back, guys. Good man. And uh, like Arnie alluded to, we also have uh, the president of the Briar Coley fan club, the uh, big unit chairman of selectors himself, <laughs> Brett. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. How are you guys? I'm doing well. And I, uh, ha- I have to compliment you as the big unit chairman of selectors. Just a day after announcing Raheem Cornwall as the number one big unit on your list, the bloke only body goes and scores 205 off 77 balls. Inspirational selection. Uh, I can't doubt that he listened to our podcast and thought, you know what, I'm going to go out and give it a good run after hearing that. Yeah, motivational to a T. And the, the best part of that, only five of those not in boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. 205 dealt in boundaries. The highlights? I I did. I mean, I have to admit, some of the bowling was pretty pathetic, but it was plant the two feet and swing away. It was was great to watch. Yeah. Is it golf? Is it golf? Was it a bit like golf then? He just stood there with the driver and just kept teeing off. Pretty 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 much. much. It was in some, it was in some like USA minor cricket league in Atlanta, which, first of all, why is he playing in that? I mean, he must be getting serious money for that, but. yeah, it was it was kind of like a ghetto footage, you know, somebody from using a a tripod at the side of the pitch, but it was it was pretty impressive. There you go. So oh, good, good, um, good entertainment anyway. Good viewing for spectators, I guess. Just 100%. teeing off. I think I have to change my six for I'm later sorry. on now. <laughs> <laughs> totally done you. Um, yeah, I, I, just just a quick note about that actual USA Cricket League. So that's the minor cricket league where next year, I think, or the year after, they're trying to launch a major cricket league in the uh, in the US, kind of ahead of the World Cup. So uh, might be able to see see some cricket talent in the US ahead of the World mm. Cup, which would be nice for myself. But one to one to watch on that. Um, okay, so listen, uh, we're going to cover South Africa, we're going to cover uh, New Zealand, uh, two of the teams uh, ahead of the World Cup, so let's crack on and uh, have a look at the, the South Africans, my great South African impression, we <laughs> um, <laughs> run through the, the South African uh, uh, South Africans, there you are, there you are. <laughs> sounded like you sucked some helium there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can seg- segue to the squad after that comment, Brad, but I'll uh, I'll just dive straight <laughs> into the into the squad. We have um, in the batting department we have uh, Wee Chamba Bavuma, who, who in my research I found out is five foot four. I saw him play a few weeks ago, and I was like, Jesus, he looks small. What height is he? And he's very small. Uh, but Chamba Bavuma mm-hmm. captains the squad. Uh, Quentin de Kock, Henrik Klassen, Riza Hendricks, Eden Markram. David Miller, Riley Rousseau, and Tristan Stubbs. Uh, we'll just do the all-rounders quickly and then leave the bowlers for a second. We have Wayne Parnell. I guess the big the big news in the all-rounder department was that Dwayne Pretorius, who was consistently on that side, was injured. Um, and then you also have Razi van der Dusen, who would have been 
in in that team, but uh, on the batting side of things, also injured too. So uh, looking at that at that batting lineup, first thing I I kind of think of is that you know you look at Dukak and Markram and Miller, and you are kind of pretty familiar with what they're all about. They would usually walk into that team, and not too many questions would be asked about that. Um, Arnie, what what do you what do you see when you look at that that batting lineup? What are the questions for you or things you're excited about ahead of the World Cup um, in South Africa? Yeah, look, I, the names you just mentioned, the walk-ins, they look pretty solid because you've seen them in a lot of the other domestic competitions, you know, the IPLs and the hundreds and all that. So, I think um, they look pretty solid. They've had a fair bit of T20 experience. Um, Riley Russo, I've seen only just recently a little bit of. Um, hopefully, he's in the squad, right? He'll hopefully get some time. Riley Russo um, is in the squad. Uh, I'll let you finish. Riley Russo, yeah. I'm quite excited about actually. Um, but I'll let yeah, you I, I just yeah, I feel. Um, look, I think um, looking at the whole side, I've got in front of me here. They, they look pretty solid there. I mean, they got good bowling attack as well. Um, it's a shame that Pretorius is out and uh, Rassi. Uh, they both have finger injuries, so I mean, what are the chances, right? Um, but I think it's a pretty solid squad. Although I don't know. Um, they seem to go to World Cups and they underperform. Um, I don't want to put the you know, jinx them or anything like that, but I don't know. I mean, it's a solid squad, probably a solid squad for me for for, for a long time, but I don't know. I, let's see how they go. Yeah, That's I, sort of my view I, on it. I think the, uh, if I was to sum up the squad, I think it's a team that could win matches but probably can't win the tournament, um, which – yeah. You know, it, it, it's probably just the the class of some of the other squ- the squads out there. Like we covered the England and Aussie squads and the Indian squads so far. Those squads are just stronger. It's it's not a fact that the South Africa can't go to Australia and win games. They're just not, in my opinion, not going to be able to string together six games, which you need to do to win the World Cup. Um, killer, that killer instinct towards the end, right? That's um, it, yeah. And what? And I guess question mark over the leadership, but I think maybe you want to talk about that later. Uh, well, Timber, yeah, our, our, our five foot four guy. Dive into it. Dive into it. I mean, when I said about Dukak and Markham and Miller, the the only, I guess, quick point that I had was that around Miller, this could be his last World Cup. I think he's thirty three, and we haven't really seen that memorable, you know, Miller time uh, moment in a World Cup so far. So I would love, I would love to be able to see him, David Miller, get his kind of, you know, World Cup memorable moment because he has been fantastic. He's had a fantastic T twenty. Career it'd be something mm. great to see. We also saw him great. smash India to pieces last week. He had 106 from 47 deliveries. Yes, and sneakily had an exceptional IPL. Um, playing for the Gujarat Titans, a lot of the noise around that victory was about Hardy Pandya, rightfully so. He averaged 68 in a Gujarat Titans uniform, which is remarkable and kind of goes a little bit unnoticed, probably in the broader scheme of things, but. Um, yeah, that, that that I guess Brett. Was there any anything maybe apart from the openers and the the middle order there you wanted to cover before we we chat a wee bit about Temba and his his issues? Yeah, I, I pretty well agree with exactly what you're saying. Mainly focused around Miller. I think if South to maximise the opportunity for South Africa to do some damage, he's great as a finisher but I'd really like to see him bat three. He batted three in a couple of games in the uh, CPL for Barbados before he left and linked up with the South African side. And it just, it removes that element of, okay, well, 
if the other guy's kind of hanging around scoring at seven and a half, eight and over, he comes in with five overs to go and he's got like, if they've been slow, there's almost too much to do for him to catch up. Yeah. Where yeah. if we get him in at three behind DeCock and, well, currently Bavuma, you, A, current based on current form, he'd probably be in in the first over. B, give him the <laughs> maximum amount of time to do max damage. Yeah. Like, I, I agree they're a dangerous side. I actually really like their side. Yeah. But the the makeup of it is probably just a little bit too flaky. If they change a few things up, throw Miller up the order, bank on someone like a Stubbs down the order to, to give him that little finishing boost and just give a, a bit of a different look uh, to some of the opposition. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they could could maybe sneak into a like a semi-final or something like that. But I think, like you said, they're, they're good enough to win in their current form and their current sort of setup. They're good enough to win games, but I, I don't think they're good enough to, to win a World Cup. Yeah, I, I think they're actually better than what their recent form suggests because they they played like their, I think their last like eight or nine or seven or eight T20s in India, which is significantly different to play there than in Australia. And I think their side actually tees up quite nice for Australian pitches on the bowling side, especially. Um, yeah. As a, another Southern Hemisphere side, they're, they're familiar with the conditions. The South African grounds, are, or South African pitch conditions are very similar. And it's a bowling attack that stacks up well. You get some of these guys on a fast, bouncy pitch. They're going to do some damage, and it's probably going to suit the batsman a little bit better as well. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I I agree with you on the on the David Miller side of things. I actually quite like Riley Russo. I think he's been typically coming in at three or four. Um, who's had a a mini resurgence. Do you know Riley Russo was mm. 33 years old, which was shocking whenever That's I... That's right. He didn't play for Seth Avery for ages. And then he lot. just came back and he just hit the ground running. Yeah, he, he last played... He he played his first T20 International in two, uh, 2014. Mm. He, he, eight years ago. Um, and he played one World Cup match, which was in 2016. He had, I think he made a duck. But looking at the... At the ICC twenty twenty rankings before this, I was like, "Well, why didn't why didn't we hear about him?" In twenty twenty, he was ranked the three hundredth and like eightieth batsman in the world in T twenties. Okay, this week he's ranked twentieth. So he's had a real resurgence, coming off a hot century against India, albeit on I don't even think you would I don't even think you would call it a road, like, like airstrip or something like that. It was just a complete flat track. Um, but he's been in fantastic form. He, he's was the T twenty blast second highest score uh, this season he hit he helped them to hit actually in the t20 blast somerset he hit the highest ever score of like 265 and he hit 93 of 36 balls and this poor little leg break bowler matty mckiernan uh who's playing for (laughs) i think derbyshire ended up with this deep deep breath everybody four overs no maidens 82 for none that was his uh his (laughs) his fingers so uh he can he can clearly take it away um but to answer your question, Brad, around you think David Miller should go up, I think that's a question of around Temba Bavuma, not Riley Rousseau and not Aidan Marker. I think that's square mm-hmm. on Bavuma and what you do with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Do we want to quickly look at Bavuma's 
just to give a bit of context, in it, it, this is his last eight innings in T20 international cricket. Yeah, some stats. Yeah, big big deep breath again. Uh, eight, three, duck, duck, eight, eight, thirty-five. I think that was against Ireland. Ten. So he's averaging nine in his last eight innings. Um, in the last twenty-seven innings, and he's only played twenty-seven innings for India or for South Africa. He's made fifty once. Although he has won 13 of his last 20 matches as captain. Um, now, I, th- I think what, what's going to speak, like th- those, uh, that runner score is pretty damning. Yeah. But I mm. think what's going to probably speak even bigger words is when you go back and look at the, the auction for the, the CSA T20 that's coming up and you've got the captain of your international side. Yeah. Didn't get picked up. T twenty too, captain of your T twenty yeah. international side. Yeah. It's not like Dean Elgar, uh, who didn't get picked up either, but yeah, it's your T twenty captain. Yeah. That's um that's putting where your money uh what have say putting your money where your mouth is, right? Um makes a pretty big statement. Um I will ask a question to you guys and you guys might know the history. If you don't, you don't. Um what what is uh Temba Bavuma's um, claim to fame. Well, uh, well, what's the raps on this guy? What's what 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 elevates him straight to the top to become the captain of the South African T Twenty um, squad time and time again? But yet, I can't really say I've seen him much of him in outside of the the, the South African national squad. From what I gather, it's more of a okay. He's the white ball captain, and back when uh, De Kock was the captain. Bavuma actually had a really, really nice run of form, averaged over 50. So when um, when Decock decided, okay, well, I don't want a captain anymore, I, I can't handle that kind of thing, I just want to play, it probably wasn't the worst call for him to, to step into that role in the one-day side. But I guess a bit of a hesitance, like a lot of sides to have three captains in three formats. He was happy and he's probably not too bad to be the ODI captain, but for, from a T20 perspective, they're, they're trying to find a role for him. And I don't, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't even think he should be in the squad, let alone be the captain. Yeah, mm. I, I think also there's maybe, look, you can't peel back the, the layers and understand the, I guess the leadership side of things and not clued in enough to be talking about what his fielding strategy is and how well he manages the team. I, I think possibly it's a bit of a hangover from how how well he's played in the test arena he did have a nice little run in the test arena which might be factoring into into this kind of decision um but it is a bit of a head scratch especially when you have somebody like Ariza Hendricks sitting on the bench if you go back to the the summer Ariza Hendricks who would probably be the other name that would open unless you reshuffle the order a little bit uh his he's made 450s in a row in t20 cricket Mm. against England against Ireland um he made four fifties in a row until the mighty Gareth Delaney for Ireland bowled him for forty-two. Um, mm. So he was in great form. <laughs> so you're saying, guys, that he's in there more for his captaincy and perhaps his tactical um, leadership and brilliance, rather than his form and his ability to bat. Because if it was on captaincy, I mean, like you said, Quinton de Kock doesn't want a captain anymore. But there's a few players there that. Could captain, and I think had, and have captain before, like in IPL or what other domestic competitions. But so it almost sounds like, yeah, 
all that history that you guys have uh, given. Um, it's just a hangover of that, and maybe he's in there for his captaincy and some yeah. type of stability. I, I might be completely wrong in this one, but I get a bit of a vibe that there's an element of a loyalty sort of bonus going his way kind of thing where a lot of the South African players at various times have prioritised the IPL over um, playing international cricket for South Africa. Yeah. So I think that's probably not so much gone in Bavuma's favour as much as it's gone against someone like a David Miller perhaps who Mm, could quite easily captain that side. The one I was actually really, really impressed with from a captaincy perspective, and I really didn't think he had it in him, when they were over in India uh, previously and Bavuma was injured, was uh, Maharaj. Yep. Um, I had him yes, pretty well. Yes, he, he did captain. As a player, he's become quite a handy limited overs bowler. And yeah. uh, I thought led the side really well the last time they were in India. I completely... So I don't know why. Yeah, I completely like agree. Like you said, loyalty bonus. I, I think Maharaj is the is the, the obvious answer for for captain. Uh he I think he captained a few of the ODI games in uh in England. Uh he's been fantastic in pretty much every um form of the game uh as as a as a bowler. And I actually think he's going to be incredibly important for them as they go to Australia because he's kind of like he's kind of like one of those he kind of bowls the invisible over. Uh, sometimes at the start of the start of the game, you know, like Maharaj, the ma- mm. magician, almost, you know, this this over just magically disappears. Um, and I, I, we've seen that operated in in Australia very effectively in the BBL, where you sneak in and over for two or three runs. There's no pace on the ball coming under the batsman for the uh, as they're opening, and uh, there's no easy runs. You can't get an edge on it. It flies for four, and you look up and think, oh, there's 19 overs left, and we've only scored. Runs and by the way, Rabada and Gidi and Norkia are, are are about to come on. I I really mm. think he's going to be more important because right, you talked about Shamsi and the, sorry, you talked about legs wrist spinners and their, their importance for Shamsi. Shamsi's I think a guy who takes wickets. I think Maharaj sneaks you in those extra couple overs ec- economically. Um, mm. Dot balls exactly, uh, and he's yeah. he's clearly very capable of, uh, between the ears as well, which is also a big plus. You mentioned Tristan, you Tristan Stubbs. He's kind of on the opposite side of that Bavuma uh, SA2020, whatever they're calling it, uh, conundrum where he was, his listed auction price estimate was 9,000 USD and he sold, he sold for half a million. He was the most expensive player. Um, so he's clearly got a, a, a bit of um, potential about him. Like everybody would agree. No that. pressure, no pressure. Tristan Stubbs, no pressure. Yeah, well, there's not much history to go on with him. He's 22, and I mean, his potential sky high. I think he hit 72 off 28 balls versus England, but that's that's really the only thing we kind of have to go on. Um, so I, I have my eye on him in the in the tournament too. Should be fun to watch. Yeah, just just one thing, you know, a comment you made, Craig, about Bavuma um, with the loyalty bonus. To be fair, just to add a bit more. Um, balance to that comment he can afford to be loyal when he's not getting picked in auctions right if he was if he had that same dilemma maybe he'd go the same way as a miller and all those guys but he doesn't so you know um yeah 
I do feel there's always one of these one of these conundrums with a captain. Say in any sport, if you think of like the the football World Cup is because FIFA World Cup's coming up, and there's going to be questions around various team members or captains and squads that are there. Should they go? Should they? Shouldn't they? So I feel like there's always mm. one of these for one of the bigger teams. Uh, I I just think from runs on the board, it's obvious what they need to do. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what happens. Uh, do we want to talk about the bowling unit a little bit? I mentioned Kishiv Maharaj there, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing Norkia on those pitches too. Norkia was in the team of the tournament in the UAE, so I can't wait to see what he's going to do on those fast, bouncy pitches down under. Because they're actually here for the test series as well, and I'm really hanging out for it. Um, just maximum exposure of seeing Rabada, Norkia, Ninkidi mm. just, just yeah. going at on some pitches that, <laughs> a, bit of pace, a bit of bounce and and getting yeah. under the skin of a few batsmen. We we talked about we talk about one of those keys for success in uh in Australia being you've got to have the guys with well at least one guy with that's a genuine fast bowler. They've got two out and out yep. quick. And yep. and Nagid is not slow either. Like he's he's not uh we wouldn't call him a medium pacer. No. He's um, but Nokia and Rabada could really do some damage. You get them on a helpful pitch over in Perth or something like that. And an amendment to our last episode, I think I had noted that there weren't many sides in the world where you have a bowling unit of three or four guys who walk into all facets of their international game. South Africa actually have that in in hindsight. I mean, I think you have you know Nokia mm. all formats. Ngidi, Rabada, all formats. And Rabada. Maharaj yeah. has established him. Really, Shamsi's the only guy who's really the T20 specialist, and he's, he's pretty good as well. Um, yeah. But those guys you just mentioned, they also performed very well in T20s. I mean, I think the IPO, Nokia, and Rabada were, were the standout bowlers. I mean, there were other standout bowlers, but I certainly remember them from the IPL. So, yeah, yeah they're good. They're good. It's just a this this a solid side. Um, again, I don't think they'll win the World Cup. No, they just don't have that killer instinct like a few of the other teams do with all their quality. But still, solid side. And you look at that squad. Well, even if you look at their current one day series in in India, they're playing a genuine second string Indian side, and they they're getting a fair old touch up. Yeah. But uh, in the T Twenty format, they they managed to pretty well roll through India's. Close to first choice side. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Hey, Brett, I just read an article a bit early today. Suresh Iyer, who had that fantastic innings, um, he said in his press conference or something, he said, it really offends me. I, I, I don't think I've got the right words correct, but he goes, it offends me that everyone keeps calling us the India B team. <laughs> I've got news oh, for you, mate. You are the India B team. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that was a digression, but uh, just when you mentioned um, whatever you said, I just it just came to mind, and uh, his comment about being really offended by being called the B team, India's B team. That, that, yeah, that said, that there wouldn't be many countries going around that can legit have a complete a B team like that. <laughs> second string side. Like, yeah, it, I think it helps whenever you're not permitting a lot of your players to go play other uh, T20 franchises. Uh, yeah. I think I think that helps massively. But the, certainly the quality. I mean, if England or if England would do that, they wouldn't stack up against South Africa's first team ODI t- selection selected yeah. team. Yeah, you're right. No, neither would Australia. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I agree. I yeah, good point. Country in the world that could put a genuine second string, like have literally zero out of what's going to be your best 11 in a World Cup in the side and be able to compete with another country's A side. Yeah, there's a lot of depth. Yeah, that's a good, very good point. It's a very good um, insight into the depth of that country versus others. Yeah. Could just be the investment, right? The investment in T20 cricket. I don't know, yeah. or just sheer number, sheer number of people competing for spots. As Aussies, do you do you have like a hatred for New Zealand that rivals England? Uh, you must hate them in rugby, but what about cricket? How do you stack up stack up New, Ze- New Zealand in cricket versus Australia? I um. From the rugby perspective, there's a genuine, probably healthy, very healthy rivalry. But I actually have a lot of respect for the All Blacks. But that's just the rugby side. We're here for cricket. But um, I actually really, really have a lot of respect for our um, cousins over the ditch of water there. I actually really rate and I really like the the Black Caps. Um, I've always um, had a fondness for them. I consider them like our cousins, our brothers. Um, and I think the way they play, the way they go about their cricket and their way that they sort of almost, for lack of a better word, role model their behaviour on sort of uh, about about their business um, is very respectable. So hence why I don't have any hatred. Um, so you're, you're kind of, yeah, it's I, like a like a little brother. You kind of like to make fun of them. And yeah, I didn't want to say little brother, I said cousin. <laughs> Yeah, little brother comes off as a bit more condescending, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely see them more as you know our brothers and uh, cousins as opposed to the little brother syndrome. But yeah, I uh, have a lot of respect for them because I think they, I'd argue they are better, better behaved than our, uh, our Aussie guys. To be fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that bar is particularly high, Arnie. Speaking as somebody from the outside, <laughs> <laughs> Brett, 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 maybe maybe you have more of a more of a boil in the blood for New Zealand, do you? Or are you on the same on the yeah. same page as Arnie? Yeah, not really. I- I've got a bit of time for New Zealand there in terms of like the series that sort of get my back up when Australia play somebody. They're definitely not in the top two. They're, they're, well, really, there's probably only two that do get my, my back up a little bit when, when I know the Aussies are, are playing somebody and that's England and India. Um, so it's, uh, New Zealand, I'm... Um, yeah, probably a bit of healthy respect for. Yeah. The, yeah, I guess it's, it, uh, it's kind of tricky to not to have respect for them based on how well they performed over the medium term. And Arnie, to your point, uh, what, let's just dive in. Right? We, in, the, in the squad here, you have Kane Williamson. We'll just take a pause on him. Uh, as I had mentioned to you guys previously, probably in, the, in, a, in a poll of greatest leaders in cricket of all time, deserves to be on on that with maybe a, a two or three others uh, and i think that yeah. that sentiment that you you were talking about arnie where you respect them what they've achieved the manner in which they've achieved it uh, you can't really look past williamson in terms of his leadership and his batting maybe not more recently is hasn't been great but um was on top of the world along with the likes of coley and and smith for a long time there yeah and um Given some of, uh, let's call them the narrow losses, um, one particular ODI against England, for example, in the final, and the heartbreak, um, again, in the most recent World Cup for them, 
I think they've quietly taken their strides. They haven't gone and, and been sour grapes and, and made a scene. So, though, again, that kind of uh, the way they carry themselves, um, hopefully they're hungrier uh, coming into this World Cup. But um, I just have a lot of respect for them, you know, um, other than they're just our Kiwi cousins. But I just think just as a bunch of uh, a, a squad full of those guys playing for their country, I think they're just they're good. They're, they're very good. They're very respectable. Yeah, and finishing off the batting there, you have Kane Williamson, Finn Allen, Devin Conway, Glenn Phillips, and Marty Guptill. Is it two toes, Marty? Is that what they call him? Um, and then <laughs> on the on the all rounder side, you have Jimmy Neesham, uh, Bracewell, Chapman, Mitchell Santner, and Daryl Mitchell. Uh, so much like we were talking about South Africa a second ago, where they can, I think we all kind of agreed that they could win any one match because of individual performances, but maybe not string together the five or six. Uh, matches to win a tournament. New Zealand have kind of in the past proved to be the the antithesis of that, where you might not have looked at any one name on the team sheet, bar a Williamson or maybe a Bolt or a Southie in the bowling department, and just looked and gone, well, actually, you know, they're going to figure a way out to get it amongst themselves as a team, as a squad, as a unit, instead of having, maybe in the past you would have pointed to like a Brendan McCollum or someone like that who could, who could, was this genuine superstar. Uh, but aside from Kim Williamson and a couple of names I mentioned, they really do still look like a unit. Um, perhaps maybe with the omission of Colin DeGrama, who, who retired. Uh, so, Brett, every, every time we come to look at New Zealand for a, a competition, it's kind of difficult to, to set the expectations because they all seem to outperform. What are your expectations for them in a World Cup in Australia? Yeah, well, like these guys are probably here of recent times the greatest kind of tournament side going around just in terms of their ability to to sort of outperform expectations they always find a way to make a a set quarterfinal semifinal or a final in fairly familiar conditions um i'm expecting a sort of reasonable bit of production from them, but they're in a tough group. Like that they've got Australia and England in their group. They're going to have to be at their best. And probably yeah. for the first time, like they're a settled side, but there's probably more question marks over their side than I would have expected if you asked me say two or three months ago. just in terms of some injury, a little bit of form and sort of the overall makeup, like there's just perhaps those few little little question marks. It, it'll be a really good test to see if they're well, under that leadership of, of Williamson, if we can band it together and just extract maximum value out of, out of this squad that um, we talked about Pakistan before the, uh, the Asia Cup about being a really good team. New Zealand fit into that same kind of bracket. Everyone knows their role. Everyone plays their role. But for probably the first time in a good couple of years, there's probably just a couple of little question marks for me. Well, I think it's a side that's been yeah. together for for a good while. And um, I don't think they're they're old, but certainly you look at the likes of Guptill, who's been around for a wee while, um, Williamson, whose form's not really there. I, I think the, the return of... Lockie Ferguson is very helpful for them. I think prior to the, prior, you know, you speak about the last couple of months, maybe longer, where I think he was out with a little bit of a, 
uh, an injury, if I'm not mistaken. I think him coming back in is really, really helpful because it kind of adds to that spearhead of Bolt, who's phenomenal, Southie, who's who's incredibly handy also, uh, and really kind of shapes up that bowling unit very nicely. Uh, they also have Ishodi, which I, he takes that wrist spin box that you talked about uh, that's so important, Brett. Uh-huh. I think he's a very important inclusion at Sir, well, Ferguson as well, but Sodi, I think, is a very important uh, inclusion in the squad. And I think for them to, to progress, he needs to be A, bowling well, but B, in the 11 to start with. Um, if they roll out Santner and Bracewell as their sort of two spinners in Australia, mm. they would mm. want to be batting extremely well because they will be chasing a lot of runs. I agreed. I think uh, you look at their their likely 11 and you go down to that like six or seven spot and I think it's a, a, a tussle between uh, Glenn Phillips uh, and Bracewell. And I think they have to be, I agree with you, I think Ishodi has to be selected in the team for them to perform well and I think they have to be very nimble around the conditions in which they pick the likes of Bracewell because I think there will be conditions where they just have to accept that Bracewell spin's not going to go you're not going to be able to get three or four overs out of him might be better to pick a Phillips and get runs on the board who's great for a flat track uh very very powerful um but yeah I haven't seen a lot of Ish Sodi I have to I have to admit uh yeah you know, same you Brad have you been impressed with him as you've you've seen him bowl yeah he's um yeah, when when I've seen him, and I admittedly have like he's always that guy who's in and around the squad, but for some reason, like, I think the all round ability of Santner seems to have him trumped. And from what I gather, a lot of it to do is to do with uh, Sodi not being great in the field and pretty well useless with the bat, and their sort of reluctance to have both him and Bolt in the same batting eleven. But right. uh, as a bowler, very handy, will be, will perform reasonably well, will, should perform very well in Australian conditions as well. Not quite at the same quality, but he's a little bit of a similar bowler to a, well, I guess most of you kind of contemporary wrist spinners where they, they get the ball through the air pretty quick. He's not a big, big turner of the ball, but it's that kind of aggressive, a little bit faster, a little bit flatter, t- bit of turn, a good roll, and uh, always attacking the stumps, always at you. He's going to create chances and fairly accurate as well. He's, he's not not the wrist spinner that's going to bowl just like a random long hop in and over. He's uh, And he, he did have a very good season. It's a few years back now, but he did come over here and play with the Adelaide Strikers for a bit and um, yeah, performed very well. I'm just looking at his um, his T20 averages. He's actually, I haven't seen a lot of him, but he's played he's played quite a bit of T20 international cricket, actually, come to think of it. He's mm. played 78 matches, um, taken 101 wickets, economy of eight, which I, I guess as a leg spinner you, or a wrist spinner, you kind of, tend to get a bit more economical as you come along with experience so you need to take that with a pinch of salt but yeah um i guess he has been in around the side but i just hasn't to your point seemed to be 
the name on the team sheet consistently, uh, like some of the other bowlers. Um, but it'll be interesting to to see him go. Um, in terms of uh, their other bowlers, I mean, uh, Trent Bolt should be box office. He's bowled yeah. so 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 well. Made that decision to I think he's he's done with Test cricket now, so he's going to be focusing on T Twenty. Um, he's done it in World Cups. He's done it in Australia. Always been a top contributor to his team. And if there's a wee bit of movement on those decks, it's going to be. I mean, he was so good to watch in the the IPL. Uh, it's going to be fantastic to watch him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bolt uh, lead the the bowling, take the the golden ball, particularly if New Zealand do progress late in the tournament. He he's a class bowler. He's accurate. Mm. He'll swing it up front at the death. He knows what he's going to bowl. Um. Yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty close to the complete bowler in terms of the only thing that is missing out of his uh, sort of toolbox. We've got um, is he's just that that little fraction slower. He's not he's not a Ferguson pace, but that's not going to be a, a negative against him. Like he's going to swing the ball. He's ultra accurate. He's got good variations. He'll bowl a good Yorker. And I think last time we, we had a World Cup in Australia, he was very close to the golden ball. I think he might have just finished second behind Mitchell Stark. Yeah, you're right. It was I think it was one or two one or two wickets. I'm pretty sure he was in team of the tournament for that. Um yeah, I th- I think if you're if you're looking at a like you say, the, you mentioned Stark there, Bolts, those are the kind of names I think are gonna be right in around the um the golden ball uh this time around. Um so, yeah, um, the the openers, Guptill and Conway and Williamson. I think they're going to. If 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 New Zealand are going to progress, I think they need to have one of those big three fire consistently. Kane ha- Kane Williamson hasn't been firing consistently. Martin Marty Guptill obviously has a a career that anybody would would envy, and Conway's very capable. But just having one of those guys consistently fire to take a bit of pressure off the the lower order who are very capable but um have had to probably chip in more than they would have wanted in the, the more recent past um so we'll we'll see how that goes uh anything arnie do you have any expectations for for new zealand uh, coming out of this uh this world cup then Ask you yeah look i i yeah i uh, have similar sentiments to to you guys um, I also have uh, I I do rate them, and they seem to be to always perform above expectations. Seem to prepare well for tournaments, um, though. Um, what's the word? I, I think they only played in Australia pre-pandemic. They hadn't been to Australia for three years or something until recently. They played. I can't remember was it Cairns or Townsville or Gold Coast. I forget where exactly, but they only came recently. Um, again, it's probably, I was going to say, will that put a question mark, even though they're f- semi-familiar with the conditions in Australia, but they just haven't played in here for a long time. But then, let's face it, nor is Afghanistan, nor is uh, Bangladesh, etc. But um, given these guys are sort of, I'd say, in that top four bracket, yeah, I'd probably say compared to uh, previous, you know, previous tournaments, like the last World Cup, for example, and all that, yeah, I think maybe... I wouldn't say a big question mark. I'm saying, you know, just um, maybe not at, at, at full tilt. Um, as far as you, you're mentioning of the openers, um, 
you mentioned like Conway, Guptill, um, Williamson. Um, I, I just like to put in there is Mitchell. Mitchell's in the squad, isn't he? So is he is he actually uh, in the squad or out of the squad? But there's a few there that could um, play. I, I, again, my feeling around just what I've been exposed to. I haven't, I haven't really heard much from Guptill and, 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 and what I have seen of him. I haven't been too impressed, to be honest. But, yeah, look, he's had a very decorated career. I really do hope he fires. He, he did fire in the last World Cup. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, uh, I haven't heard a lot about him, yeah. but he, I, he, I, he played really well in the last World Cup as well. Devin Conway had an absolute blinder in, I think, his last game or whatever. So he's kind of um, coming in in good form. So, yeah, Mit- Mitchell, yeah, and Williamson, well, yeah. Mitchell is, Sorry, in, is in the squad, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of had him as coming in like a four or a five, kind of with Finn Allen okay. and Jimmy Nishin, um, kind mm. of after Guptill Conway Williamson. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. I, here, they, I think they just played a, a T20 against Bangladesh in like a reduced, I think it was reduced and it was just to like 10 or 12 overs. I think they, in the mm. 10 or 12 overs, they put up 140, 150, so... Uh, they yeah, so they always seem like a team mm. who are who are very comfortable around each other. They looked like they were having fun, um, which is yeah. You, know, you don't want to be playing cricket where where it's a, where it's a slog. Sometimes I think that's where the Indians yeah. the world kind of falter is that the pressure is so so monumental on them that it's it's pretty tough when when things are difficult. So yeah, I mean I have this uh, lasting memory of Gupta where he. He batted till he almost passed out. I can't remember. Was that the World Cup or was that an IPO? I forget. But he was that dehydrated. Um, which I can't. Don't know if you guys can remember that particular innings. I, I had a lot of respect for him. It must have been in a, that particular a, innings. A real sweat box, if uh, if that was. The Could case. have been an IPO, but yeah. I, I can't remember. But he batted and batted for, for pretty much the whole innings, and um, or was it Test? I, I forget. Anyway, irrelevant. But um, look, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, I would really love to see um, someone like even like a Guptill Conway combination and the fireworks and and have them just get stuck into it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. and I obviously I want to see the Trent Bolt show. Yeah, j- just to come back to Brad's point about gr- the groups, it really is a, a, a tough, tough group. I mean, you've got England, Australia. We haven't covered Afghanistan yet, but they're the they're the they're not even giant killers for me. They are. They're just the killers. They they will kill teams in that group, and then, I mean, God love the whoever's coming into that group with those guys. I think it might be the likes of Sri Lanka or the West Indies plus one other. Um, so that's there's gonna be plenty to plenty to see in that group. It should that's be great. should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I wish them well, but you're right. It, it's a bit tough, and they they don't they can't really have any chinks in their armor otherwise. Our struggle, but I, uh, to Brett's point, I think their spinning unit um, is critical. Um, I think they got their their pace attack down pat, but if they can really refine and get their spin uh, unit to, to really do their job, um, and you know Williamson to start firing, uh, for example, uh, you never know. You never know. But yeah, Afghanistan might um, literally sink the dreams of a particular country. Just one game, a, a country. Uh, expects to win. Afghanistan ruins those chances. Could be, you know, game over. Six and outs, uh, our six and outs for the week. Well, mine are largely, um, uh, I guess, driven with my current travels at the moment. I'm uh, sort of Hong Kong to Melbourne, Melbourne to Darwin, 
But anyway, um, my six will be obviously as a result of my travel, I get to return back to my 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 usual home of Melbourne. Um, there's a great computer computer gaming convention that runs also in the US and in Australia. It's called PAX PAX Australia. So I get to let. I mean, I really enjoy computer games. So I really, unbeknownst, was just pure luck. I get to go. To, I went to one day of it. Got to see people jump uh, dressed up in cosplay and their favorite gaming characters got to play arcade machines all that so really into that um so i my six this week is just the opportunity to spend time with family and friends and then unexpected going to my favorite convention of the year which is a, a gaming one so that's called pax australia so that's my six uh my out was uh, subsequently a day or two later i had a flight uh my flight up to darwin um normally i get to online check-in guys i get to online check-in um prior and as a result you can pick your seat and i always like to pick an aisle or a window seat i don't want to sit in the middle but guess what happens because i couldn't choose and i had to just check in um at those machines um when i arrived at the airport um i get a ticket i don't didn't know it was a middle seat but it turned out to be a middle seat and you know most things uh, things will turn out right it'll be fine the flight will be fine it was a, it's a four it's a four hour flight and normally these things turn out fine. But it turns out I sat on this flight. I was next to this kind of a sort of chunky kind of Indian kind of guy, right? A big unit. And he's, you know, he's a big he, – he was a big unit. Uh, it was kind of – you know, he's lovely, he's polite, but it's that time of the night where we all try to get some sleep. Anyway, so I, I'm closing my eyes and I don't know. He orders some meal. I could hear him, you know, ordering meals, slurping his wine or whatever. But he just kept like – bumping me and just bumping me and I couldn't sleep and I thought are you are you are you taking the you know you're taking the piss but he kept bumping me and like touching and bumping and rubbing I thought like are you you know anyway so I kept doing that um and anyway he eventually does all that and this was for and I was kind of getting a bit annoyed and because I'm in the middle right and then he eventually um finishes meal and something goes to sleep and I tell you what I've never been in this situation before but the I think there was only one person who snored on the flight and it was this bloke and he was seriously, he must have sleep apnea because he was like, <laughs> and then he just tossed and turned and he just bumping me again and, and I just could not sleep. You could imagine I was getting frustrated. I was twisted and I was trying to sleep, but it, I think it was the only guy who snored on the flight and he was just like massively loud. Like everyone's turning around looking at me. I'm like, it's not me. I'm awake. See, I'm awake. <laughs> Um, and people are putting on their headphones stuff, and I'm like, I'm sitting next to this bloke. And the worst thing was, this bloke was breathing on me as well. And oh, again, yeah, I yeah. feel sorry for the for for this, but he didn't have very nice breath. Anyway, that's my out for the week. I could go on, but don't yeah, get stuck in the middle seat next to a big unit. Yeah, that's, who likes to just keep prodding you? That's a nightmare. Uh, it actually reminds me of uh, a friend of mine who was doing like a a summer abroad and. United States years and years and years ago and he traveled kind of like in the northeast went over to the midwest and he had to take he ran out of money and he had to take a bus from I think it was like Chicago to Las Vegas long long way yeah so he gets way. this uh, this little like $20 ticket on a Greyhound bus that goes across country basically for 18 19 hours whatever it is gets on the bus and sits down in his, in his seat and um, it's all like ticketed seats so you have to sit in the seat you're ticketed to and this lady gets on and sits down beside him. And uh, Kieran, who's, who's the name of the guy, Kieran thinks to himself, well, you know, 18 hours, I better, I better introduce myself. And so he goes, oh, my, name, my name's Kieran. You know, I'm traveling around the U.S. for a little bit, uh, going off to Las Vegas for, you know, a big blowout before I go home. And, uh, you know, nice to meet you. 
And the woman turns around and goes, you know, hi, my name's Lucy, whatever it is. And all she says was, and I'm a witch. And that was who he had to sit beside for like the next 18 hours. He's like, oh, Jesus, what have I done? And she was like... But the blink is on. Yeah, she took out, she was doing like card readings and like, you know, <laughs> the bus stopped and she was like burning stuff in the in the parking lot. And she's just like, I couldn't wait to get off that bus. But uh, why don't I go, why don't I go next? My my six of the week is uh, is Joss Butler. Joss Butler, uh, who's captaining England. Uh, I was playing in a, a T20 international against Australia. We're in a, a pretty, actually a decent game. But at the end of the, the game, there's a little bit of a, a potential controversy where, Matty Wade was batting. I think he hit a, a top edge, possibly onto his helmet. And the ball kind of went up and came down more or less on top of Matty Wade, who had taken two or three strides out of his crease, turned around, tried to get back. And personally, I don't think it was intentional, but stuck his arm out to kind of get his bearings and it looked like he impeded Mark Wood from taking the catch. Now, uh, I guess everybody will have their opinion on this, but Joss Butler said after the after the game, he was asked, why didn't you appeal it? And he said, I think quite sensibly, we've only just arrived in Australia. I don't think we need uh, any more press around, you know, potential appeals and whatnot, like that, uh, stuff like that. So I, I happen to think that was a pretty smart idea. They won the game as well. So they, they come out looking looking and smelling like roses. So that's my my six of the week. Uh, and a shout out to Matty Wade for, for some impressive form and chasing for, for Australia over the last year or two. Uh, and then... My out of the week, uh, Arnie, actually, you, you were talking about uh, dodgy passengers. I, I, you're going to be glad you weren't sitting beside Calvin Batista of 36 years of age out of Queens, New York, who was arrested at the U.S.-Canadian border on a bus smuggling three pythons, Burmese pythons, in his underwear uh, and has potential to go to the jail for 20 years or a fine of a quarter <laughs> of a million dollars. So shout out to Calvin Batista. Why you would hide three Burmese pythons, how you would even hide, hide three Burmese mm. pythons in your underwear is, is quite quite a story, yeah. So, um, yeah, good, good job. Under, under the oh, curse the of the witch. Alvarez Gull is a literal trouser snake there. <laughs> <laughs> literal trouser snakes, uh, plural. <laughs> they missed a trick in the article I read. Uh, they weren't in the article I was reading. They weren't really clinical. It was just man charged with smuggling pythons in his pants at the U.S. border. Brett, you need to go work for the the Associate Press and say trouser snake detected at uh, in you know, in Niagara exactly. Falls or whatever it was. It, it just sounds like a like an absolute C or D Edward. grade C snakes on a plane. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. expecting Samuel L. Jackson to rock up and just start swearing at everybody. <laughs> Sna- snakes in your pants or snakes on a bus, yeah. That's oh. classic. That's good. Yes, I'm actually kind of glad I wasn't sitting next to a guy with uh, three snakes. Uh, that would have been awkward. Yeah, Calvin Batista. And potentially. But Calvin yeah. Batista, if you're listening, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear why the why the hell you were smuggling pipes <laughs> in your underwear. Man. Uh, Brett, I'll throw it yeah. to you for yours. Yeah, okay, so we'll, I'm going to start off with my, my out first, I think, because uh, th- this weekend just gone was the, the start of a new cricket season over here, and uh, it obviously, well, right around the world is synonymous with summer, so expecting some nice warm weather, and sort of woke up in the morning, looked out the window, beautiful sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, but... Uh, 
the the sort of temperature over here didn't make it much into the, the double figures in in Celsius and it was bloody freezing and uh, I'm quite stubborn when it comes to cricket unless it's raining I'll just steadfastly refuse to wear anything other than shorts and thongs or uh, <laughs> flops for those uh, who aren't sort of yeah familiar. bit of clarification for the international but visuals so it was bloody cold um and yeah cricket's supposed to be a summer sport so I shouldn't uh, shouldn't be shivering while I'm sort of watching our team bat. It was uh, not real nice. Uh, the day looked much nicer than than it was. A day where you you'd be wearing so, your gloves uh, even if you're not going into bat, like that kind of day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I had to wait a while. I sort of sat there for sixty five overs until I got to go out and bat. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a long cold day. There were lots of boys looking for some sunlight just to try and get a bit of warmth. Uh, there you uh, go. Well, I hope it warms up for you. Yeah. We'll go. Yeah, no, no doubt I'll I'll be back as a, as a, someone who's got a, a bit of ginger in them, no doubt the first time I have to play and it's 39 degrees and I'm sort of sweat my ring off, I'll I'll be back here complaining about it being too hot as well. <laughs> um, That's your – yeah, exactly. But, yeah, uh, Anyway, on to the six, and uh, I'm, I'm giving my six to to Henry Hunt, who uh, is a the opening batsman for the the South Australian Redbacks over here in the the well the Sheffield Shield, the domestic four day competition over here. Uh, batted for four, just over four sessions, I think it was. Ended up the the game got called with two balls left in the day. He he finally agreed. Once Victoria couldn't win, they they called the game with two balls to go. He's finished on 97 not out from 326 balls. And wow. um, so he even sacrificed the opportunity and he would have been well within his rights to tell uh, the Victorian captain, no, nah, we'll, we'll, uh, we want you to bowl for the last two balls so that uh, he could have a chance at bringing up what was his eighth field mm. field 100. But nah, I've, I've done my job, 326 balls enough. I just want to go off and have a beer. Oh, I love, um, I love but, that mentality. Yeah. I, I, I actually think if you're on the opposing side and you're looking at this guy who's battered for 300 deliveries, and at the end he says, actually, I don't even fancy my century, you go, oh, for fuck. Like, you know, I think that almost, almost is a nail in the coffin worse than actually giving him the century. I love that. But, yeah, so battered for... I think it was just over four sessions right the way through, carried his bat. Special mention to, to David Grant, who's a, a sort of young seamer just kind of making his way in the South Australian setup as well. Batted, uh, faced 45 balls in his partnership with, with Hunt at the end uh, for zero runs. <laughs> I think the, the Redbacks finished seven for, for 207 or something like that. Uh, their target was 430 so i think victoria could have probably declared it with a lead of 350 giving themselves more time to to try and grind out a result uh, but they finished with a draw but uh, the six goes to henry hunt who is i think destined for for bigger and better things i 
wouldn't be surprised if over the next year or so he makes his way into an Australian squad and and gets a crack at the top of the order. In terms of next in line to open after Kawaja and Warner, there's really only Pekovsky mm. and now Hunters as viable options at the top of the order. But uh, so for any South Australian fans out there, probably enjoy having him around while you can because I don't think it'll be too long until we don't have him for much of a the Sheffield Shield season. Yeah, we don't hear a wonder watch. That's a that's a good take. Love it. Mm. Okay, that's well here. We'll wrap up that one there. And uh, yeah, enjoy that, lads. Thank you. Uh, if you are listening to this, please subscribe to our podcast. You can do it on Apple. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it everywhere. Wherever you get your podcast. It's dead easy. Just go do it, please. Uh, and uh, we will see you all very soon. Thank you, lads. See you, guys.